0: Seventy-six trombones led the big parade with a hundred and ten coronets close at hand. They were followed by rows and rows of the finest bow So's the green of every famous band. Hi everybody, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So, welcome to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. This is the podcast where Mike and I watch movies separately, talk about them on the show for the first time. Now, this week we're going to do Bernie, the 2011 film directed by Richard Linklater, um, written by Skip Hollinsworth based upon the article he wrote for Texas Monthly. And I got to go into this thing. There's a spoiler alert, okay? Because we're, we're going to talk about the movie. There's also a singing alert, Mike, because this movie makes me keep singing. So get ready. It has a great soundtrack. It has a great soundtrack. So um, one thing that Mike texted me just before we recorded is you have to tell everybody how you stumbled upon this. Here's my opening shot where we talk about the film as a whole. This movie is proof why everybody should have Criterion Channel because it makes you just stumble upon. It's like flipping channels, though, of universally good movies. And this was only on my list because we had done what other film for the show by Richard Linklater? A Scanner Darkly. Right. Which we wouldn't have seen unless they put out one of their collections of direct. Right. Um, so that led me to this. So that's why everyone should have criterion. And it also was why every movie should have like media blackouts. Because the less you know about this movie going into it, the better it is. What When I first watched it, and then I'll let you talk. When I first turned it on, I thought to myself, oh, it's the loved one. The whole thing, it's like Evelyn was the loved one. It's its this whole satire of the funeral industry, like when he's doing his thing in the beginning and he tells the guy like, you know, may I suggest the Corinthian? That's what it's going to be like. And then you're like, no, it's not that. And then I'm like, oh, it's Fargo. It's going to be like Fargo. But but it's not really like Fargo either for reasons I think we'll talk about in a bit. And then I'm like, oh, it's going to be Harold and Maude. That is exactly what it's going to be. Is there, They're going to somehow like consummate their relationship in this ironic way. And, and and they it's none of those things. You really can't describe it. But I thought it was great. I could watch Jack Black drive around and sing that song for for 10 hours. I, I love this movie. Mike, go.
1: For the viewer's context, once as a child, I borrowed a movie from Dan. And the back of the DVD box had two index cards on top of one another. So I couldn't tell what happened in this movie. So that's how I went into this movie. He just said, you know, you get what we're doing this season. We're doing Bernie. Go watch it. So I did. But I didn't know what to expect, and you're you're totally right in that the movie kind of head fakes a couple of times, you know, to to make you think it's going one way and it darts back another. I think part of the structure of the movie in in taking actual people from Carthage to talk about the folks involved and interweaving the, the interviews is to explain the the changes that you're that you're talking about or the or the different head fakes because it's it's clear that there there's part of the structure of the movie which is taking public perception and framing the characters in a specific light. I e if you spent you know lunch with some guy from the diner and he described to you this lady and this guy that he once knew you might think it was a Harold and Maude story. But if you talk to somebody else who knew him well you might think it was the loved one. And so I think that Link later obviously doesn't want to break the structure of reality because it's a it's a story that actually happened. Uh, but he he tries to kind of keep you on your toes in that you don't know what universe you're in and or you could be in a different moral universe depending on who you talk to. At the end, we'll I'll tell you what moral universe I think we're in. But I thought that that was fantastic. And some of the people from Carthage are just they're 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 unbelievable in the same way that Jack Black is unbelievable. Jack Black is totally transformed. I don't. uh, Unbelievable. I mean, that's that's not he's not like the bumpkin from School of Rock, which that's who you expect when you when you turn on the movie. That's a real performance. And I I actually like the loved one as a book. it, It tickles me. But the interesting thing is the opening gambit seems to be like, imagine if we did that, but earnestly. Imagine if it wasn't satire, what kind of person would you have to be to take that seriously? And that's who Jack Black transforms himself into. And he just holds it through the whole movie.
0: I mean, transformation is so true because he's never he never lets through in a second, even in the serious scenes where he has to start crying. And all of a sudden, that's another head fake, right? Where all of a sudden you're kind of like on his side emotionally. But every single just I mean, we'll talk about his clothes later, his hair, his mustache. Um, what the part where he, they cut to him directing guys and dolls, he's like, I've never been in love before. I I, I was laughing so hard. He just makes me laugh. I don't know. And even my kids said, dad, you know, we know the kind of movies you like Jack Black doesn't seem high on your list. Of, I'm like, I'm telling you, I wish this guy made a movie a week. And I wish like some major director put him in a different role. The
1: the, um, the music man transition
0: is the best. Oh my God. How it's funny unbelievable.
1: That? Cause he, <laughs> There, you know, there's some some match cuts are just too matchy matchy when he says, What am I gonna do? And it's 76 trombones, but yeah, that's and
0: of course when it goes on, I'm like, please show the whole song, please let this please show the whole play.
1: And there's there's so many things that you shouldn't be able to get away with in a movie. Right. And somehow they just get like Jack Jack Black as this guy as Bernie shouldn't work. Right. Uh transition into five different movies shouldn't work, intercut interviews from people around town shouldn't work, but boy, do they? Yeah. Matthew McConaughey sp- popping up in the middle of the movie should not work, but yeah. somehow it just does.
0: I'm, I'm like, is that Matthew McConaughey? And I'm like, behind those giant glasses and the hair, I'm like, it is. Now, His you know, are so funny, good. You know what's funny? It would have worked if Richard Linklater wanted to be um, smart-assed and make fun of Bernie. Like, that would work. Like that, that If he wanted to turn that character into an Adam Sandler part, where you kind of make fun or something like that, where you make fun of them, then mm-hmm. it would have worked. But he's so earnest. I mean, I think the only time that Richard Linklater kind of tips his hand is some of the Matthew McConaughey stuff is a little like where he's, it's like where the director's kind of making fun of the characters when he's like, you know, there's a couple of people on here who might be closeted homosexuals. And you're invited to like laugh at the people or like when when they're at the church meeting and the ladies mm-hmm. going, uh, well, you know, it, it, ha- it couldn't be liquor store wine. It had to be un- non-alcoholic wine. And you're like, all right, I like this is for like, someone on the upper east side to laugh at them but th- those moments are very few but he really
1: he really gives he gives the character enough rope to hang himself with in other words it's it's nothing that's it's nothing that's out of character and it's not yeah. forced from the director's hand in other words i dislike scenes where characters or writers catch undesirable characters at their most undesirable moment but i think the beautiful thing is he catches a buck when he's at lunch yeah. With just with with folks about town. And so he gives them the chance to be a jerk in yeah. front of everybody. But he could just as easily be gracious. You know, what I mean, he's got the yes. pie. He's got the coffee going, but he's just he just can't relax. And so that that makes him seem. Less genuine than than the other character. And that's really where I think the sense of moral judgment comes yeah. from it and turns him into um, I forget the name of the preacher from uh, the Scarlet Letter, but that's who he is. Um, Chillingworth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, like <clears throat> with his wheel. I thought the wheel was pretty funny with the post-it notes on it number 8. I'm coming for you. <clears throat> but going back to what you said before about about um, the 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 inner cutting of the of the regular people, you know, we all we should do Fargo. We've never done Fargo. Fargo begins with a title card that says this is all based on a true story. And the joke is of course that it's not, it was totally created by them. But seeing that makes you watch it in a different way. You keep saying, oh my God, oh my God. Now this does the same thing, but intercutting with the real people from Carthage You know, it's almost like he invented a new genre, and I just think that's really interesting, right? Because if if this were fiction, and I saw the town's name was Carthage, I I would think, I think like, oh, that's how perfect is that? Like Carthage, will be destroyed. Like, who are going to be the Romans that come in and kill Carthage? But now it's just Carthage, and 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 the one woman goes, people only live here because they were born here. Well and but that's a
1: that's a follow up to the other lady saying it was voted best small town in America <laughs> no, volume like page, 2.
0: Yeah, page 154. And then you're kind of like did he tell her to say that or did she just genuinely was she genuinely excited about that it was on volume 2 page 154?
1: And so I well to your new genre and I, so I think that Matthew McConaughey's performance is an attempt to to recreate the sense of spontaneity Right. That you take for granted. I don't know how many cuts they did with the people around Carthage. And I honestly don't want to know because I enjoy it so much. But that's unless you can be as spontaneous as their best moments. Right. This cut that we just did is not going to make it. We're going to do
0: 20 more. Right. When they show the cut of the two people from Carthage and one of them is this older woman. Um, she's smoking a cigarette and she's, and she's talking to some younger woman and she says, uh, can you believe she went and bought that see-through negligee showing her breasts at her age? And the other woman's just laughing. She's in the state, she doesn't say you're like, "Who is this like a mother daughter? Like, who are they? And you're like, Oh my God, these are such real people. And in the beginning I thought they all were real people. And be- I watched the first 20 minutes and I thought to myself, this guy playing the funeral director is such a good actor He's so good at speaking like he's on Dateline or something and then you find out that no, no they're so good because they're all real people.
1: It it must have been hard to put that together into an organic whole. Yeah, but it was but the payoff is great because the the, the payoff is just like life. It doesn't allow you to know what <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> right. And you can see the mechanics of it working in a way that I I think I mean, the last movie we did by Richard Linklater when we did a a scanner darkly that really wears its bones are its beauty that really wears its structure right outside right because you're it's supposed to be trippy it's it's all in rotoscope. Yeah, this is this is the this is the equivalent the documentary equivalent of rotoscope. It's just like, I'm going to let you watch me work, but you're still not going to know what's going on.
0: And you're not going to believe how great it works either.
1: Okay. Welcome back. So in part two, of course, we talk about the key scenes or the moments that are indicative of the themes of the film as a whole. So Dan, why don't you get us started?
0: It was hard to pick one because one thing I thought when I was watching this is how many camera setups did they do for scenes that were like three seconds long? Like when they're on the beach and they have the drinks and stuff like that, or when they're getting the massage, so there's so many great moments. My moment is when they show up at the store buying the bird clock. (laughs) How funny was that? Unbelievable. So he's buys. And as you remember, he buys one and then he kind of like he's holding it. And he's looking at it. By the way, P.S. My father had that clock <laughs> There's clocks everywhere. Um, my father had that clock in the basement. Anyway, he picks up one. He looks at it. He puts it in his cart and then he picks up like five more because he thinks like other people are going to want these. He's hooked. And what I love about that moment is that it's so indicative of his character where he's like he really is like a little boy. Who just wants to make everybody happy and and what's great about this movie is that it's filled with moments like that like when he's talking to the guy on the cruise he's like oh you really get to see the world and then she comes out with the pharaoh but like he he's not making small talk like he's really interested in that guy's career and that guy's life right and here's my thing about that we can all imagine uh a movie about lust We can all imagine a movie about a guy being a gold digger and being nice to her just to get to the money and stuff like that. The hardest thing to imagine is a movie about a guy who really is that nice. (laughs) Like, really, like you just
1: good. And so you have to ask yourself, right, if you're Richard Linklater and you're going to base this off a true story and you're going to make it about whether or not such a person actually exists or whether that's a work of fiction. Right. What would you need? You would need the first person eyewitness testimony of as many people you could find to say no, yeah. no matter what you're seeing, no matter like what you think about Jack Black, this is essentially true. And that's why they're there. They, they're the Yeah. They're the eyewitness.
0: Which is, of course, why we'll talk about the end, why they had to change the venue, because they knew that nobody would convict him because he was too well-liked. So the whole movie, he's like this little boy. He wears the funny clothes, like all tucked in, like his shirt's tucked in. Like he gets a lot of money. What does he do? I'm going to fly an airplane. You know, like all these things. And so that's what I think is fascinating about it, because I started to think to myself, okay, who is another like archetypal nice guy in movies? And I settled upon George Bailey. and It's a wonderful life, right? He's so nice. He drives you crazy. But even George Bailey has like understandable motivations. Like I want to get out of Bedford falls. I want to go see the world. Everybody's holding me back. I, I, I'm so upset that I'm going to kill myself, but Jack Black really drives his car around singing. Love not, not, not with, not the murder. What's,
1: what's the most human thing that he says, or most ironic thing that he says in the entire movie. Cause he doesn't swear. What? He gets the call from her after the music man scene and he go he remarks to the other guy, This is my life. And then he leaves. (laughs) And that's his that that eye roll is like Apart that's from as murder, nasty that's as he the gets. biggest sin that he right. commits in the entire right. movie.
0: Because it's like your mom telling you, you have to come in now. Like, this is my life when he has a little beeper. He's like a little boy. So I think that's what's fascinating about that, is that the movie really pulls you in. And, and you never see that in movies. Like we're, like, we're used to watching movies about Travis Bickle, plus or minus 10 degrees. But this is like totally the opposite end. So what was your moment? Well, my
1: my moment is uh, connects to yours. When, uh, when he finally gets arrested... He's they they cut to him. Nobody knows where he is in town. That you think that they're about to start some kind of manhunt. I personally thought that he had made some kind of escape. I thought he had taken the millions of dollars and escaped to some island by the time because the house is abandoned right. when they're going through it. And it turns out he's at the local Mexican restaurant giving a pep talk to the kids' softball team. <laughs> and he's saying it's something. So about, great. He's saying something about, you know, it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. And the two cops are behind him and they're slowly closing in on him. And they say, can we have a word with you? And he goes, now? (laughs) And so when it's clear, like (laughs) he he knows, I thought for a second, he's going to run or deny it, or there's going to be some story, but by his face in that moment, you can tell that he is, he's just going to confess. He just can't believe it. And so the best moment is all the softball kids, nobody's saying anything, they're just watching him go away with the police. So he takes the entire wad out of his wallet and he says, Well, Tigers, you earned yourself a, a great dessert. And he just drops it and leaves. And that's like that's his last charitable act. But I think I think again the, the point of those dramatic cutscenes to him doing Bernie things, right? Are to reinforce the point that no matter what you saw him do. It's like, I can convince you otherwise. Like, I I know you have the insider information as the audience that you actually saw it, which is worse than what the jury saw. But we can convince you otherwise. If I, the question is, if I gave you an hour and 28 minutes of other information and I gave you two minutes of bad information, could I undo two minutes of bad information with an hour and 28 minutes of great information? Because, like, that's a guy who really means it. Yeah, and and they mm-hmm. they just give him opportunities to get caught being nice and that's all he does the entire movie.
0: That's what occurred to me I I love that see what he's telling the kids like you know if you tried your hard then you are you are a winner regardless of what the scoreboard said. My thought when he was saying that it was I was like he actually believes this. Like he actually believes that participation trophies are are worth getting and well, worth giving.
1: Well the but the point is then you find out that in jail you find this out at the end. Yeah. Spoiler alert: that he's, you know, on the choral committee yeah. and he's teaching like four classes. <laughs> right. and he teaches the guys how to make the broccoli and cheese quiche. Yeah.
0: Yes, I know. I use the cubes because they melt a little more. And you just see these convicts looking right. at him.
1: So, but that's but the point is that's a person who honestly believes that it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. Scoreboard says you're
0: in prison. You're a murderer. He says
1: prison is in your mind. Right.
0: Stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage.
1: Welcome back. So in part three, we talk about the ending, the title, the key takeaways. Dan, what's your key takeaway from Bernie?
0: Well the title of course is 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 what you said before it's it's watching a guy do bernie things where the title isn't just a name like hamlet or something like that you watch I guess in hamlet you watch him do hamlet things too but what what I love about the ending is that we said before they had to get a change of venue because nobody would convict him and which is the opposite reason and it's funny how you said before about if I give you 100 an hour and 28 minutes versus 2 minutes it's like how would you feel about this this movie does what I think other things like in cold blood you know, try to do when you get when you get to the trial scene, right? Or anatomy of a murder. It this actually pulls it off, right? So um the change of venue isn't from Carthage to another city. It's from Carthage to our living room as we watch it. Or, you know, the change of venue is to the movie theater. And where the director says, Okay, here's the trial. Now you decide. I've given you information. You're also on the jury. And we've talked about that when we've done the verdict and all these courtroom movies, right? So I think that when his 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 lawyer says he knew he was gonna get found out. He just didn't have the courage to tell on himself. You know, um, it, you know, he preserved the body. She can get a good burial. And the meantime, he did a lot of good for a lot of people. Cause of course he gives all the money away. He says, you don't have to pay me back. They open up what he calls the Neiman Marcus of boot shops in Carthage. And he says, till he finally got caught. And that strikes me at least as very accurate. The, the summation of his lawyer to the jury strikes me as very accurate. And of course he gets convicted. And it struck me what a strange place this movie puts you in as a viewer, and how much you know. It's it's very hard to side with the guys in *In Cold Blood*, right? For 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 a whole host of different reasons. Um, but here, it's very very different. Where I was shocked when when the you know when the verdict came in.
1: The, the courtroom scene is different than a normal procedural like *Anatomy of a Murder* because right. *Anatomy of a Murder* movies like that always begin. Uh, typically post-crime or the or the crime is like the edgy open before the title right and and so the the meta message of a procedural is your life or anybody's life is not bigger than this procedure because it begins with the procedure and it ends with the procedure bernie says No, real life is much greater than a procedural. It begins way before your procedure starts and it will go and it will continue to go on after it'll it'll continue to go on when old ladies show up to hold your hand and to tell you to watch out for the other guys in prison because they look pretty tough. (laughs) But there's there's something there. There's actually a, a famous novel that I find has a very similar moral structure to this book, which is The Brothers Karamazov. Have you ever read that? no okay the the father and the brothers karamazov is murdered and part of the trial is what a jerk he was and in fact the first part of the entire book is all about what a jerk he is and what crimes uh he's done to not only the surrounding society but both his wife and all three and then it turns out four of his children and so the question is like who's actually on trial in bernie you know who's on trial in bernie who Marjorie she's on <laughs> she's on she's on trial for a lifetime of crime, and the people of Carthage have sentenced her to death. and that's the that's the real problem that it's not necessarily has Bernie bought their good graces. That would be the case if he did something totally horrible and unexpected, but then he bought everybody's kindness right and and there would be an ironic tension there. It'd be like, well, I really want my jet skis, and I knew what he did was wrong, but that's not what they say. What all they have is negative stories about her, about how she ruined people's life. Actually, the the only person really loyal to her is her stockbroker, who she's humiliated right. multiple times. Who's the one who unravels it because he doesn't have her physical signature. He's the only person who can right. tell that she's missing. So and he doesn't
0: care about her as a person.
1: Exactly, and like so her granddaughters. Th- this is this is about like. The rec- the receding value of human life, but but that's because some people just push us away. That's right. not an excuse, but it's it's the place that we find ourselves because actions actually have consequences. There, you know, even Bernie, even Bernie will turn around and kill you. And right. that's what this movie is really about. If you could drive Bernie, who will buy five bird clocks to shoot you in the back four times
0: with the armadillo
1: gun, <laughs> there's something. <laughs> it's it's there may not be right. something about him maybe there's something about you yeah. and and it, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily justify murder and right. he says i've i've committed a sin and i have to atone for it and i'm sorry and obviously he's truly sorry but literally she drives him to the brink of insanity and you have to prosecute something like that as a culture or as mankind which is again why you have to bring in the actual people of carthage and why the literary structure works because That's been one of the most famous novels for the past 160 years. Doesn't doesn't surprise me that this would be such a compelling movie. I can't believe that more people didn't
0: see it. I know. I can't believe because and also what you just said is you know it's almost like it's almost like Bernie doesn't shoot her. The universe does. (laughs) Like the the universe decides the armadillo gun is going to be right here, and she's going to say the. I mean, if you could make Bernie snap, and remember, she doesn't just make him snap. She's not just like. um, Like somebody who's needy, she's needy. She's deliberately cruel. Like when he says, you got to stop chewing those refried beans. You don't have to do it 25 times. And she just keeps doing it. And he goes, oh my God, this is like fingernails on a chalkboard. And she's doing it deliberately to to, to disturb him. The one guy who will speak to her and put up with her. And remember in the beginning when they say, why do you talk to her? Remember what he says? No, she's got some good qualities. She just needs a friend. Like he, it's like the baseball team. He really believes that. We don't go around we don't go around making defending people we don't like. He we, brings we in the soaps. Yeah. yeah he brings in the soaps, room service, and then and then the next scene is he has the cupcake in the box and the next scene is never eating the cupcakes. <laughs> Room service. Like he literally believes he's being nice to people, right? You and I go through, I've known you for a long time. We go through the full day dismissing other people, jerk, jerk, idiot. And someone said to you, well, he's actually not a jerk. He's had a hard life. We're like, yeah, stand in line, dude. I've had a hard life. I don't want to hear his problems. The guy's a jerk, but this is like, no, no, you really can find the good in everybody.
1: Yeah, It's, it's, it's wonderful. They, they take a wonderful person and they show him doing a bad thing. Right. right. And again, that that that's again, that, that's the point of the knowledge. That's the point of everything. The, the question is, to what degree are we willing to prosecute actual goodness if it shows up, yeah. if it commits a little badness? And even though he does, he does go to, right, this is not a story of somebody who gets away with it. This is a, right. or a criminal mastermind. Right. This is a story of somebody <laughs> who commits a crime and has <laughs> literally has about as much idea of what to do as I would.
0: Yeah. Because didn't right. you think, didn't you think after he shot her for a, for a half a second, I thought to myself, oh, this is like going to be a movie thing where they cut back to him. It's just, he's just fantasizing it. Like he's not really doing it. The next scene is going to be them in the car. And I'm like, oh my God.
1: Well, that and, and the greatest thing is when he's on the, when he's actually on the witness stand himself, testifying against himself, he says, um, maybe I fantasized about her dying but I was always grieving at an open casket.
0: It was that's, a car accident.
1: It's, a, it's an unbelievably true line. Uh, and boy, does Jack Black pull it off. But again, it, you know, it's it's about to like, to what extent are you going to prosecute me given knowing the, the value that I have inside? Right. And that's what you get from the final scene because this yeah. does not end like a tragedy. No, It ends like a comedy. Yeah.
0: When you see Jack Black talking to Bernie... Of course you're like, that's it's un- you're like, how did this ever get made? And again, why, why are we only doing this? Because I happen to stumble upon it on Criterion Channel. So this is a movie we heartily recommend rewatching if you've seen it already. It's 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 just terrific. Um Jack Black is phenomenal. I wish you were in more things. Thanks for listening, everybody.